Well, the original plan was to go through Ephesians 4, 17 through, I think it was 24, but we're only going to get to verse 19. We're going to section this off. One part is talking about the process of being darkened, and the other one talks about the process of being enlightened. So we're going to split this up and full, try and get a full understanding of what it is to be darkened. We want to see how a Christian walking in the light can become a person of darkness. And this is what Paul is addressing here. And he's going to be using some of the things with the people that are in the world in the darkness that they walk in. So last week we were looking at taking captivity captive. And we saw that even after the victory of the cross and the victory of the resurrection, there was still another battle to get through. And Jesus uh, made it through that battle. If he had the victory of the cross and he had the victory of the tomb, and still there was another, vac- uh, another victory that he had to obtain. How much more is the devil going to come after us because of the things that we are doing? He, uh, he certainly is not impressed by victories to back off. Sometimes we as Christians have thought, well, I, I've been fighting, I've been getting all these victories. Why do they keep, keep having to go through battles? And Jesus had to. So we spent some time taking a look at that. Last week, let's get over here to verse 17 of chapter 4. This I say, therefore and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. So it's talking about the people here who walk in darkness. In Isaiah 9 and verse 2, the people who walk in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. This was quoted in the New Testament, altered a little bit. <clears throat> Jesus quotes it in Matthew four, sixteen. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light, and upon those who sat in the region in the shadow of death, light has dawned. <clears throat> in Acts twenty six seventeen, I will deliver you from the Jewish people, speaking to Paul, as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you, to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith. To open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light. One of the things that's always associated with darkness is a blindness or an inability to see. And this is what the enemy wants to try and do. This is why he's of the kingdom of darkness. Because if we see the truth, we will turn from what is false. So darkness is enshrouding whatever it is that he passes off as truth to keep it from being seen as anything but. We, of course, see that in uh, our day today, but it has gone on through history. This is the devil's tactics. Whatever is enshrouded in darkness is not of God, because God is light. Anything that God brings, anything that God teaches, anything that God shows, demonstrates, it is always surrounded with light. But the enemy, not so. It is surrounded with darkness. If you get into the enemy's camp far enough, 
Satan realizes I don't have to shroud this in as much darkness because you love falseness. And so those people will just accept anything. If you've ever seen people who are so prone to take, take things and believe things that are false, it's because they've gone through this process and Satan has conditioned them to accept what is false over what is true. You'll see this a lot with, with people today, but it's been that way all through history. This is his, his tactics. <clears throat> now in 1 John 1, 5, this is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. So those that are going to have fellowship with God, we don't want darkness. We want everything brought out to be the light. The people who follow after the things of God never have a problem with what they are teaching, what they are believing, what they are living, being brought to light. Because they know the light will only expose the truth of it. And if there was any darkness in it and light came and exposed that, they'd want to get rid of it. So the people of God are not afraid of light. They crave the light. They want the light. But if we begin to move over into the other side and begin to allow certain things in our life to be enshrouded with darkness, it would not be long before more is enshrouded. He goes on here in John eight twelve. Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. He is the light of the world. Anything apart from Jesus, anything apart from God, will have darkness with it. Will have a false light with it. But Jesus does not. His light is true. In 1 John 4-5, through 5, In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. <clears throat> if you have friends, if you have people that believe lies, that believe things that are untrue, understand they cannot comprehend the things of God. That's why one of, the, one of my things is with the, with the media, if they believe something to be false... I immediately assume it's true. I just go off the basis, well, if you think it's false and you're of the darkness, it, might, it very likely is going to be true. If they believe anything to be true, I immediately think it's false. I have just trained myself that way. As soon as they're saying something, I immediately go to the fact that that's not true. That's not true. I don't receive whatever it is that to say because they're of the darkness. They're of the, of the night. <clears throat> Don't accept things from darkness. We need to have a, almost become hard-hearted to the things of darkness just the way the people of darkness are hard-hearted to the things of God. Proverbs 4.19 says, The way of the wicked is like darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. They don't know. Because they're in darkness. That's one of the reasons they came up with that great invention, little flashlights. You take the flashlight, you can shine it in your way, and you can see the obstacles that are there. If you don't have a flashlight, if you don't have light, you can stumble over things, even in a room where you know the, where the objects are. 
But if you're walking through a room and you know where the objects are, you still are going to go slower than you would otherwise. Because there's some uncertainty that is there. But with God, there's no darkness in Him. The way of the wicked is like darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. In Ephesians 5, 8, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. We once were in that darkness. We're not in that darkness now. But he says, make sure that you're walking as children of light. Don't walk as children of darkness. We don't walk through this world not knowing what's here. We have the light. When the world tells us, do this, don't do that, believe this, don't believe that, I have the light in me. The light in me tells me, no, don't believe that. Oh, that's okay, you can believe that. It tells me, it leads me. Don't walk as children of the world, walk as children of light. Colossians 1.13, He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. We have been delivered from the power of darkness. Now, if you've been in a dark room, and I'm sure probably most of us have been in a dark room recently, when you were in a dark room, you were under the power of that darkness. That darkness that is in the room is causing you to walk a certain way. Causing you to walk a little more slowly. It's causing you to walk a little more gingerly. You're not quite sure what's there. So sometimes, you know, you, you lead with a foot to see if, if you hit anything. And because uh, you don't want to go tripping over all that. But as soon as the light comes on, the darkness goes away. Darkness does not have much power. But it will exert its power over you until the light comes in. So make sure you walk in the light. In Matthew 6:22, the lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? God has given us a lamp. And with that lamp, with the with the eye or with the with the Spirit, we can see things. It is our lamp. We are to take those things in and let that illuminate us. Too many times Christians take what the world says and allow that to illuminate their way. We cannot be illuminated by the things of the world. You will be turned blind to the things of God if we do. If, and there are Christians who do this, Christians who are led through their spiritual life through wisdom that has come from the world. If we do that, if we walk in that way, then the light that is in us will be our, will be, well, let's just read it here. If your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? If the light that is filling me, illuminating me, is actually darkness, but I am operating by that light, how great is that darkness is what the Bible is saying. Now the way back into darkness, if you are a Christian, you once were in darkness, but now light has illuminated you. Light has, has, has brought out for you the obstacles that are in your way. Light has come. If, as a, if, yeah, that's, uh, well, we'll get to that in just a little bit. Christians, uh, non-Christians came into a bit of light. They came into this world. There was light 
before the non-Christians. The people that were not born again. There was, wasn't a whole lot of light, but there was some light. They had to reject that light in order to walk in more darkness. There was light that was there. Here in um, Ephesians 4.18, this is in the New Living Translation. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life of God, give, far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against them. They have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against them. So just phrases it just a little bit differently. Their minds are full of darkness. They didn't start out full of darkness, but they are now full of darkness. They wander far from the life of God, life that God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against Him. Now, sin is what does this to you. The way back into darkness for the Christian is the same way that the unbeliever goes back into darkness or even greater darkness. It's the same way I gave you two things here. First off, closing your mind to the truth, and secondly, walking in the way of darkness. We'll give you some more on this later on. We've taught you this before. Other people have taught this as well. All sins are not equal. People try and teach all sins are equal. All sins are not equal. The Bible never teaches that all sins are equal. The Bible very much teaches that some sins are above others. It also says that some sins have a greater penalty than others do. Some sins have a greater effect upon you than others do. Not all sins are equal. Stay out of sin. <laughs> Stay out of all the sin. But there are some sins that have a greater effect. I think the enemy likes to, sp to spread that all sins are equal so that you can just get involved with whatever you want to. It's not going to hurt you. I put sins here in your, your outline of three, base, three categories here. And I think this will pretty much cover all the, the sins that are there. Some of these sins have a, have a greater effect than others. The first category of these is stumble. There are some things that we stumble upon. I am walking with God. I'm walking with God. I'm walking with God. Something comes up I didn't see. Oh, I stumbled. Well, if you stumble, we kind of fix ourselves, get ourselves going back right again, and we keep on going. It messed us up a little bit, but we picked ourselves up, and we kept on going. We stumbled. It's just something that, um, it's, it's not something I do all the time. It's just, I was walking along. Oh, that thought came to me. Oh, those words came out of my mouth. We, just, we stumbled, and we realized, I don't, I don't see why I did that. I didn't want to do that, and we fixed it. Father God, I'm, I repent. I'm sorry. And we go on. That's just a stumble. You're better off if you don't stumble. But if you do, we can, we can get right with God. This has the least effect of all the, the groups here. Once I stumble, I write myself and I move on. The second category is habitual. First uh, John is very much talking about habitual sins. Some people read a lot of what he says about sin. Most of what he is talking about are habitual sins. These are sins that we continue to, to do as a habit. Habitual sins have a greater effect than the sins we stumble upon. They constantly dull us to the light and make us think we are under the power of sin. See, I'm not under the power of sin anymore. I've been redeemed from the power of sin. But the more I walk under it, the more I feel like this is dominating me. 
Strongholds is one of those things. I heard a lot of people used to teach about strongholds. You got a stronghold in your life. You got to come against that stronghold. Some groups trying to get more people dependent on them would teach them things. You need us. You need this. You need deliverance. You need whatever it might be. Try and get them to become dependent on them so that you can become, you can overcome because this sin has a power over your life. No, our God broke that power. I may not be walking in it, but my God broke the power of sin over me. I need to walk in the, in the freedom of that power. And we can. But they're habitual sins. These are sins we do over and over again. When I keep doing them over and over again, I, I feel like I am under the power of that sin. That constantly going after that sin, it dullens me. It makes me dull to the light. Some of these things are like drugs, alcohol, language, addictions, anything that we constantly repeat because of its power over us or think it's just how I am. Well, that's just my personality. Well, that's just the way I was raised. Well, that's just me. No. If the Word of God says you're not supposed to do it, I don't care how you were raised or what kind of personality you have, you can overcome it. Now, usually, habitual sins only involve me. Often, people that are in habitual sins try and keep them to themselves. Sometimes they're a little bit embarrassed about them. And so I don't want anybody else to see it. I know I keep giving in to this, but I'll just keep it to me. Don't tell anybody. That's habitual sins. The third group, you've heard me talk about this before. I know other people have. Lifestyle sins. More than any other type of sin, this involves a willful choice to go against the light that we know to pursue the flesh choice we made. These are sexual sins like adultery, fornication, homosexuality, others, even gossip, evil speaking. These are things that we have willfully decided to do even though the Bible tells us not to. Yeah, I know the Bible says that, but... Be not unequally yoked to an unbeliever. Yeah, but... Word of God condemns homosexuality. Yeah, but... Word of God condemns adultery. I know, but I married the wrong person. But God has drawn me to this person. No. Fornication. Well, we're almost married. Brother Keith used to always say this. Almost means... Not yet. <laughs> now how you said it, not yet? This is a lifestyle sin. It's something that I have decided to do. I live this out. That's why it's called a lifestyle sin. This usually involves at least one other person. Most lifestyle sins involve at least one other person. Gossip involves me telling other people. Evil speaking involves me telling other people. Any of the sexual sins involves me with another person. We may try to keep it quiet at the beginning, in private, just between the people that are involved in the conversation, the people that are involved in the relationship. I know it's wrong, so I, I'll keep it private. But there, there comes a point when anyone has gotten involved in a lifestyle sin, there comes a point where you no longer try and keep it quiet. And then you just, you just put it right on out there. 
to see how strong this has become in the church, how many ministers do you know that just proclaim, I am a homosexual? We're not trying to even cover that up anymore. I'm not saying that covering it up was good, but at least covering it up meant that you were ashamed of it and you knew that you shouldn't be doing that. Now, not so much. And people just come right on out. Oh yeah, this is the person I'm living with. They don't hide it. This is, the, this, is the, this is my mistress. And they'll do that right in the, right in the church. Remember, Paul was dealing with the Corinthians that uh, the, the one guy, he was, what was it, living with his uh, father's wife or something. I mean, right in the church. He wasn't hiding it. It's a lifestyle sin. He's no longer embarrassed about it and the church was accepting it. Paul's slapping him on the face. Guys, come on. This should not be going on in the church. But it was. So there's those three kind of things. The lifestyle sin, though, that's the thing that's going to dull on you the most. That's the thing that will have the greatest effect on you. And you are also bringing someone else into a sin. And we know what the Bible says about that. Williams' translation puts it this way. So I mean this and now testify to it in the name of the Lord. You must now stop living as the heathen usually do in the frivolity of their minds, with darkened understanding, estranged from the life of God because of the ignorance that exists among them and because of the stubbornness of their heart. Darkened understanding, estranged from the life of God. This is not the condition we want to go. Now let's get into the meat of here at Ephesians. Wanted to give you that background. This is what the rest of the Word was talking about as far as darkness was concerned. And we basically looked at all the verses that had that word in it. This I say, verse 17, this I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk, no longer walk. That means that one time you were walking this way. As the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind. So it means that they did at one time walk this way and they can now. I as a Christian can walk the way a Gentile walks. The way a heathen walks, I can do that. So this means that a Christian can walk like heathen. We shouldn't, but we can. If you look at other, other Christians and you say, well, how is it that that Christian is doing that? Don't use that as a license for you to go after there and, and live it the same way. Christians can live like heathens. Doesn't mean you should. And if we know better, we shouldn't be following after that. Now, just because you walk like a sinner, I put that in your outline for you, make sure you got it. Just because you walk like a sinner doesn't mean you are. <laughs> I'll tell you what, that'll help liberate a lot of Christians. When you see another Christian walking like a sinner, it does not mean they are. If it doesn't mean they are to God, it doesn't mean they are to you. They are a Christian. Now, let, me, let me take you back over here. Go back over to verse 17. This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you, who's he writing to? Christians in the church, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind. You should no longer walk. It means this, people. If you walk like the rest of the Gentiles, it does not make you a Gentile. Or a heathen. His terminology is heathen. 
because your walk is not what made you righteous. What did? The work of Jesus. And you accepted it. You come to a place where you no longer accept it. You come to a place where you scoff at it. That's a different story. But just because you slip up, just because you mess up, just because... I'll tell you even this. Even if you got involved in a lifestyle sin, somewhere along that line, it's probably going to harden you to the point that, that salvation could be lost. But I don't know where that is. I don't try and make that decision. I just try and get people to get out of it. Because I'd rather, I'd rather you get out of it than, uh, than keep on going that way. But like we said before, that's management. We're sales. Let management make management decisions. We're sales. You can walk, as a Christian, you can walk as a Gentile, as a heathen. You shouldn't. It's going to hinder you. It's going to be a problem. But you can. So just because you see another Christian out there and they're walking more like a heathen than they are a, a believer, do not pass judgment on them. Well, they're obviously going to hell. <laughs> well, they're obviously not saved. Don't be doing it. You can be praying for them. Father God, I pray, bring them into the light. Let them see that the darkness they're walking in, this is not the way that they ought to be operating. This is not the way that they ought to go. I'd rather stay on that side. I put in your outline, if we walk like heathen, we will not have all the advantages of being a Christian. If you walk like heathen, we will not have all the advantages of being a Christian. Think, put it right back into your family. You were once a child. Whether you have children or not, you were once a child. If you are a disobedient child, do you get to walk in all the freedoms and privileges of an obedient son or daughter? No. Some things come down. When we keep walking in disobedience, you're grounded. <laughs> no allowance for you. More chores. All these kind of things happen. We don't walk in all the freedom that we would be if we were an obedient child. There is advantages to being an obedient child in the house. There are advantages to being an obedient child in the house of God. But we don't have time to get into all that. Having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Having their understanding darkened. This word darkened. Dia Noia. It is a thinking through or over. A thinking through or a thinking over. A meditation. Reflecting. I'm sorry, I'm going over the wrong one. I'm hitting understanding. Sorry, I'll get to darkened in a minute. Understanding came first. <clears throat> Understanding is a thinking through or over, a meditation, a reflecting. It signifies the faculty of knowing, understanding, or moral reflection. One of the ways this is used is with an evil significance, a conscience characterized by a perverted moral impulse. That is an understanding that is going in the wrong direction. Or with a good significance, the faculty renewed by the Holy Spirit. Your mind, your understanding can be renewed of the world and you will understand worldly things but not spiritual. Or it can be renewed on the things of God to where you can understand spiritual things. 
So this word is used in both ways. Having their understanding darkened. There is a place inside of you where understanding happens. That place where the understanding happens can either be filled with light or it can be filled with darkness. If it is filled with darkness, you will not understand the things of God. But many times people think they do. In Mark 12.30, looking at this word, And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. That's that word. And with all your strength. Ephesians 1.18 The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. Enlightened. There's our word, understanding. Paul in his prayer, in the first prayer that he does in Ephesians, that your understanding be enlightened. That understanding can be darkened or that understanding can be lightened. Ephesians 2, 1 through 3, And you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sin, in which once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the mind, of the, I'm sorry, of the flesh and of the mind. Fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. This is obviously a darkened mind. This is not an enlightened one. And we're by nature children of wrath, just as the others. Colossians 1, 21 through 23. And you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. If indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. So, lost my, there it is. And you who once were alienated enemies in your mind, in our mind, in this exact same place, I was once an enemy of God, but I have been made a friend of God in that same area, in my mind. Luke one fifty one. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. Imagination is the word there. That is the mind. In the, you'll find this, uh, this use here three times in the Gospels. Three of the Gospel, gospel writers quote Jesus as uh, using this. 1 Peter 1.13 Therefore gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Gird up the loins of your mind. Beloved, Second uh, Peter 3.12, uh, 1-2 Beloved, I now write to you this second epistle in both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder that you may be mindful, similar word, just a different uh, rendition of it, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and the commandment of us, the apostles of our Lord and Savior. Stir up your pure minds. Stir up the minds that have been enlightened. One more 1 John 5.20 And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding. 
that we may know him who is true and we are in him who is true in his son Jesus. This is the true God and eternal. He has, the son of God has come and has given us an understanding. He has given us a mind that has been filled with light. Hebrews 8.10 says that I will write the laws on your minds and your heart. That's our word right there. Now let's go on here to, to darken. Scotizo. To deprive of light or to make dark. That's Vines' definition of it. To deprive of light and to make dark. So what is darkened is our mind. Not your spirit. It's your mind. All those verses you saw there was a different verse for the spirit. This is your mind. We know that Romans talks about us renewing our minds. This is used in the New Testament in the passive voice only. It is used of heavenly bodies. It is used metaphorically of the mind. Let's take a look at some of them. Matthew 24 and 29. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened. Here's one of the key things I want you to see about this word being used. When this word is used called darkened, you cannot darken what was not light. Cannot do it. If it was already dark, you can't darken it. It's gone. So here when it's talking about the heavenly bodies here in Matthew, immediately after the tribulation of those, those days, the sun will be darkened. Now, it don't take us much of imagination to know that the sun is bright. But the sun will be darkened. It's not going to be able to give its light. Mark 13, 24, But in those days after the tribulation, the sun will be darkened. Revelation 8, 12, Then a fourth of the angels sounded, and a third of the sun was struck, a third of the moon, and a third of the stars, so that a third of them were darkened. Every single one of those things is a light bearer. It's something that bears light. Romans 1, 21, Because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. They once, those hearts were lightened, now they're darkened. In 11, Romans 11.10, Let their eyes be darkened so that, you, so that they do not see. Let their eyes be darkened. Those eyes once had light. Luke 23.45, The sun was darkened and the veil of the temple was rent in two. Those are pretty much all the verses in the Bible. I left out a couple that were a bit of repeats that talk about this word, that this word darkened is used. It is always used of one place where there was light, but the light was dimmed. The light was taken away. When he uses this word here in this, in this verse, he's talking about our minds. We were once walked into a place of light, but no longer. That light is gone. That light is taken away. Let me go back and read, our, read it, verse 18. Having the, the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them. So the understanding here is darkened. We've got to know this procedure because this is the same procedure that the devil uses all through history. It's the same procedure that is being used on people now. It has been used in the past. But it's, it's being used now. If we understood the procedure, we wouldn't follow the word. You wouldn't think so. We've got to understand the procedure. 
This is out of, out of the pit of hell. This is not something that God does. This is not something that God brings. God is light. In fact, if you look at the actual Greek on that, God as to his nature is light. And in him is no darkness at all. Romans 1.18. Now watch this verse here. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. Who's he talking about? Christians? Is the wrath of God only against Christians? No. The wrath of God is against all mankind and those who do not follow him. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. For God hath showed, hath shown, showed it to them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so they are without excuse. He's saying this, if you are born in this earth and you see the creation of this earth, you have enough light right there to tell you that there is a God, Amen. there is order, and you have a decision to make. And every single person who is counted among the every single one who is counted among the unrighteous has seen that light and said no. They've turned their back on that light. So, what little light they had, they had a little bit of light, but that little light they had went dark. That's the same procedure that Christians will follow. They have more light, but even that more light can go dark if you let it. And he teaches us how that happens. So, he says, the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Now, Depending upon how you read the Greek in here, you're either looking at a list of two things that happen or the result of one thing because of another. But it seems like it's not because they have not heard, but they had heard and there was hardness of heart. So something came to them. Let's um, pull that verse back up for me. Ephesians 4, 18. And I won't go back. There. Having their understanding darkened, having their understanding darkened, they had an understanding. But what understanding they had was darkened. In the same way, we as Christians can have our understanding that we walk in darkened if we follow the same thing because of the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Now, here's where you can read this two different ways. You can read that as a list, and some translations read it as a list. But there's two things. Ignorance that is in them, and the second one is the blindness of their heart. I read it, just the, the, I read it the other way. And some people do, and some people don't. You can go with whatever you, you feel like. I feel like the, because, the blindness of their heart is what causes the ignorance. Because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of the heart. The ignorance comes because of the blindness. I have light. I look at the light that I've got and I reject it. 
because I reject that light, whatever comes to me after that, I refuse truth. I refuse it. Because I become hard to it. Just like in, if you want to make it modern, there are some people in this, in this uh, area that are very much against masks. Some people don't care. And some people are passionate that every single person needs to have three. <laughs> and this is how we, how we walk. We were, um, we were working to get, getting somebody coming over to the house, and they're coming over tomorrow to uh, change uh, uh, something out on the, on the service. And so they told me on the phone, and they said, we need you to uh, wear a mask around our, our employee. And I said, this is my home. I don't wear masks in my home or out of it. I said, if he wants me to leave them alone, I will. But I will not put a mask on in my house. Okay. <laughs> and, we, and we went on. That's, that's just how it is. Every time we have somebody come over in the house and they come, you know, they come over for some kind of a service thing, if they have a mask on, I don't tell them they have to remove their mask to come into my house. If they want to come into my house with their mask on, that's fine. Go ahead and do it. But I let them know, you don't have to wear that here. If you want to, it's fine. But you don't have to wear that here. And I'd say three quarters of the time, people say, oh, great. <laughs> Take it right off. Other times, people just keep it on. It's fine if they want to keep it on. I don't insist that they do live things in, in my way. But I walk in a certain amount of light. I'm not going to walk in their darkness. But if you'll notice that people who have accepted this, and these are the people that are driving around a mask, one person in the car. <laughs> I see one person in the car and I see a mask and I know, I know what's going on. There's darkness inside there because I don't know who you're trying to keep it from. I, I just, I don't understand it. <clears throat> but I, I get out there. We were out there. My wife and I were out someplace and somebody who was uh, uh, helping us they had a, the, the double mask thing on. Now we're standing there. We don't have a mask on. They got a double mask. I'm not going to sit there and pick on them. Oh, you poor soul. I did think some of those things, but <laughs> uh, but you see, if people have accepted that you must do this, that anything that comes along and tells them otherwise, they reject. Now, of course, things are coming out and people are being told, well, it wasn't quite so this way, and it wasn't quite so that way, and so some of them are, are softening up or they've gotten a little tired of of, uh, well, now you got to need to do this, and now you got to do this, and, well, now that's not enough, and you got to do this, and they just say, well, that's enough. I've, <laughs> I've had it. And they've, they put their foot down. But you see, if you walk in the things of God, and you walk in the light, you don't get surprised by this stuff. He leads you in light. If the light's on, then I see. But there's a lot of people that are walking in darkness. Because of the ignorance that is in them. Ignorance in them means they don't know. They may have heard, but they haven't brought that, that in yet. I could be talking to somebody about something, and because of a hardness that is in there, we, we stop. We immediately, nope, nope, nope. There's, there's a hardness that is there. I don't, I don't like that. But some people, you know, they, they, they love a certain kind of food, but you hate it. So as soon as they start talking about how good that food is, uh-uh, no, there's a hardness that is there. Because, because that's what he's talking about. I reject that, 
that, uh, that thought. I reject that idea. Because of a hardness that is there, I won't receive any light from that area. Uh, it may not be light. It may be darkness. I judge it as darkness. We've uh, taught you the principle before. If you accept something as false, I'm sorry, if you accept something false as true, then you will eventually reject what is true as being false. Whenever you, whenever you come to find that out. This is why it's imperative that we understand truth and that you hunger for the truth. My love for the truth will mean I desire to find out what is false in me. I look for it. Oh, here's something. This, this might be able to be showing me something that's false, but I'm always tuned in my spirit. Tuned in my spirit. All right, I'm hearing this. My spirit is telling me no. So I reject it because my spirit is telling me no. But sometimes my head is telling me no and my spirit is saying, listen, listen. My head's telling me no. Oh, I don't like this. Oh, But my spirit is saying, listen. And so I discipline myself and I force myself, listen. And finally the light turns on. Ah, now I see it. Now I see it. And what was false was exposed in me. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind. You have a mind that is unrenewed on God. It is futile in what you will accomplish. Having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart. Now, you all know that you can, you can pick out somebody who has the life of God in them, can't you? I mean, how many times do you just walk up to somebody and you start talking? Oh, man, there's life in there. There's life in there. They're not alienated from the life of God. You can tell. And sometimes you even get bold and say, are you a born-again believer? I sure am. <laughs> and you have a wonderful conversation. But other times you go out to people and you can just tell. They're dead. There's death there. See, they're alienated from the life of God. That's, what he's, that's who he's talking about here. Because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness. Now, let's get a being past feeling. This, this word here, I don't think I wrote it out for you. Um, no, I, didn't, I, I cut it out of yours. Apalgeo. Apalgeo. It means to grieve out or become apathetic. It means to be past feeling, to cease to feel pain or grief, cease to feel pain, become callous, in, insensible to pain. How many have ever developed a callous on your hand? You ever, uh, repetitive things is what does it. If you keep repetitively doing something in the garden, repetitively doing something with a tool, whatever it is, and it wears on a part of your finger, part of your hand, whatever it might be, you develop a callus. The more that goes on, the more callus that is, that is there. I think Rick Renner was just talking about something and that where he had a callus in his, on his finger from years and years of doing, doing something, and to this day he still can't feel as much in there. You develop that callus, and your body just doesn't have the nerve endings there. It doesn't send off pain. It doesn't send off 
uh, cold or, or heat or any of that. It's, it's got a callus that is there. It is from not one time doing the thing. It comes from over and over and over and over and over, constantly doing this, constantly going through. And that's what this word is, is about, being past feeling. You have gone after this so much. You are so blinded, so alienated from the life of God. You've gone after sin. You are being past feeling that you can do these sins and it not bother you. You're calloused. You're hardened. It doesn't have the same feeling for you that it would for someone else. And when he uses this word here, being past feeling, this is what he's talking about. To cease to feel pain. It also has the uh, vine says this, to be callous, past feeling, insensible to honor and shame. Insensible to honor and shame. There are some people, they just have no honor about them. Don't respect honor, have no shame. And that's what this word is talking about. Being past feeling have given themselves over. They gave themselves over. Sin didn't take them. They gave themselves over to it. And the way they did it is they kept doing it. They kept going after it. First times they went after that sin. First times they went after this kind of thing. Inside, oh, I shouldn't be doing this. Oh, this isn't right. They may have even been felt bad about this for, for a little while afterwards. But then they went out and they did it again. And again. And again. And again. And again. And this is what goes on. So he goes, goes on to say here, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness. Now this word lewdness, interesting word here. Open licentiousness and shameless sin. It took me a while to find a, a definition that was nice and simple like that. But I found one, broke it down pretty well. Now here's some more, more wordy ones. A couple of uh, experts in Greeks. I'm just going to give you their name. If you want to look it up, you, you can. <clears throat> uh, but one note about this. This sin is often joined with the most deplorable lists of sins, joining covetousness, adultery, lewdness, and drunkenness. In many of the lists in the Bible, you will see it joining these lists. Barclay says this about this word. Shameless greediness, bestial pleasure, and pure self-enjoyment. In many ways... It is the ugliest in the list of New Testament sins. Basil says this, A condition of the soul which does not know and cannot endure the torment which discipline makes for it. A condition of the soul which does not know and cannot endure the torment which discipline makes for it. Must know discipline. No, whatever I want to do is what I'm going to do. Lightfoot says this, A man can be unclean and hide his sin. He does not become aselges until he, that's the word here, until he shocks public decency. So when this word is being used, it's not used of someone who wants, who uh, sins because they want to, but they know it's wrong and they try and hide it. This is used of a word who's, I really don't care what y'all think. I'm going to sin. I'm going to be like this, and that's fine. Mark seven twenty one. 
For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile a man. Romans thirteen twelve. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. I gave you some other places too. You can see if you want to go through and read this. Uh, I'm just going to read one more in Jude uh, 1, 4. For certain men have crept in unnoticed who long ago were marked out for this condemnation, ugly men who turned the grace of God, of our God, into lewdness and denied the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. They turned the grace of God. This is that ultra-grace stuff that the people are trying to teach today. Grace is so phenomenal that you can do whatever you want to, basically is what they teach people. You can go out there and to, and to do this. So now we have people in our day today doing things that 10 years ago they would have done only behind closed doors. 10 years before that they probably wouldn't imagine doing it. But this is where we're, we're going with this. With this. And not even, not even uh, embarrassed about it. It used to be that the children were protected. I know that uh, if, you go, if you got put into prison for any kind of sins against children they beat you up in there. They'd, uh, they'd make sure that you got your just due. That was just a prison, prison way of doing things. I heard that there was a, a particular individual just recently who was guilty of uh, sins against children, and they didn't want to put him, he was an adult, but they didn't want to put him into the, uh, into the groups uh, with the prison population because they would have beat him up. So they put him in a juvenile. I mean, does that make sense? They put him in a juvenile prison so that now, all right, this is where you're, you get your fancies. Now we're just kind of... And, of course, he did what he was there to do. We had those trials that involved the sins of children. And, uh, of course, it was all barred from the media. No one could hear any of the things that went on with it. And one of the biggest things about the border crisis is that children are abused. And... One of the one of many good reasons to uh, shore that thing up, but the people that make sure that it stays as open as it is are people that are sinning against these kids. We would not even imagined these things years ago. Romans chapter one twenty four uses this word for uncleanness, which is uh, <clears throat> what she's talking about here. Let me read, let me read the whole thing over again. who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness with greediness. So here, giving themselves over to shameless sins to work all uncleanness with greediness. Romans one twenty four. Therefore God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lust of their hearts. Now we know that what this is talking about, this is homosexuality. This is one of those things that is counted in this. Romans 6, 19, I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness and of lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. And uh, I gave you a number of other references there. This is all dealing with 
uh, uncleanness. And it puts these things in a list of, of things that are deplorable. But what he is saying, saying here is you are shamelessly following after these things. There's no shame. And this is how they have, have gone. So this, is, this I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness with greediness. The people who have followed this path, there is no shame. There is no conscience anymore. When I look at some of the people in government and some of the things that they're doing, and some of the things that they're doing against people, there is no shame. There is no care. All they want is what they can get for themselves. And they'll, they'll stand up and they'll say all kinds of great swelling words because this is what we have to do because I know this is the right thing to do but there's no way in the world I'm doing that. I'm doing what I want. And this is, this is a condition that comes. Understand this condition that happens. This is what goes on with people who give themselves over to it. Don't believe their words. Don't believe them. Put this in your... You're outlined the same way that the unsaved can be darkened. With the little light they had, Christians can also be darkened by the same principles. If the devil can get you to follow after the same principles, no matter how much light you walk in now, you can be walking in darkness. He does it, he, it's darkened. Darkened happens a little bit at a time. It's, it's a gradual thing. It isn't, light doesn't just go out. Then something moves in front of the sun and begins to darken it. Something begins to move in front of what's illuminating your life. And begins to darken it. Sometimes hate can come in and begin to darken it. Sometimes I don't deserve this can move in and begin to darken it. Sometimes we give ourselves over to evil speaking. We give ourselves over to the wrong kind of thoughts. And something comes in and begins to, to darken it. Don't let these things happen. I gave you four things here. Didn't have room to keep them in your outline. But you can write them in somewhere if you want to. Four things. These are the four things that will come into your life to get you to dark, to become darkened, to let these things go. First off, receiving what is not truth. The enemy will try and get you to receive what is not truth. If you will receive what is not truth, then you will receive other things as well. So that's one thing that will happen. And people today, I'm amazed at some of the things that Christians will believe. It's one of the reasons I keep going over those principles with you. The very principles <clears throat> that we build everything on here as though we always have since the day we started. Three core principles. First off, whatever is to govern our life is taught in the Word plainly. You ought to be able to say these things. It's taught in the Word often and someone did it. It's demonstrated somewhere. Everything you believe in the Word of God ought to be governed by those principles. There are other things in the Word that are not governed by those principles, but they're not stuff you're supposed to live by. The stuff that you are supposed to live by, order your life by, it's going to be in the Word clearly. It's going to be in there often. And someone did it. There are still, to this day, there are still people who will teach something that some obscure verse says and they, you need them 
to see it in the verse. And nobody in the Bible did what they said. But they're telling you that you need to order your life by this. And Christians follow it. And as they follow it, they go after these ways. Darkness enshrouds their life. And you try and get in them. After a little while, you try and get in them with light. You won't get there. Because darkness has come in. So the first step is receiving what is not truth. Has God really said? No, God knows that the day you do eat of the tree, you will become as God, knowing both good and evil. Remember what the devil said to Jesus? If you are the Son of Man, command these stones to become bread. He's trying to get him to question whether he is the Son of Man or not. He doesn't really care about the bread. He cares about him questioning whether he's the Son of Man. He wants him to accept something that's not truth. Because you have to accept something that's not truth in order to go the other way around. Jesus has shown his disciples constantly how much he cares about them. And yet when a storm came up on the sea, they run down to the bottom of the boat and they say to him, Master, don't you care? How'd they get that? Because a thought came in, something that is untrue. Now they dispelled it, chased it out, and got rid of it. But if you let these things continue to go on, such as Judas did, receive what is not truth. Second, closing your mind to the truth. If I receive what is not truth, I will close my mind to the truth. That is the next step. Third, corrupting your thinking. My mind is going to be going over these things. My mind is going to become corrupted on this. I'm going to be thinking about this thing that's not true. I'm going to be closing my mind to the things that are true. My thinking is going to become corrupted. And here's the last one. Walking in the way of darkness. I'm going to have corrupted actions. Walking in the way of darkness. This is the way that He will darken you. This is the way that He will, he will do it. If you ever wonder, how is it that we can go through a thousand years under Jesus Christ and still have people who won't want to rebel? This is the process right here. He darkens their understanding. Has these, have these thousands of years really been so great? Don't you think they could have been better? Don't you think something else could have happened here? Well, yeah. I mean, I could have had this, and it could have been this way. And why wasn't it that way? Exactly. And you begin to meditate on this and think on this so that you become a prime target so that even after 1,000 years of peace under Jesus Christ, the ruler, people are going to rebel. That is the process. That is always the process. If you guard against the process, you will not follow after darkness. But just know, there is nothing of God that ever comes with any darkness. God reveals it all. Even to the point you go in the Old Testament and you find out when God even planned deception for the king. Remember the spirits stood up in the room? I'll go. I'll deceive them. God says, what will you do? I'll be a lying spirit in the mouth of his prophets. You will succeed. Go. And he goes and we find out that Micaiah saw all this unfold in heaven and told King Ahab all that was going on. See, God brought what was going on to light. And they didn't receive it. There is no darkness in him. There's no darkness in God at all. Anything you see darkness with, just know. 
That's the hand of, of Satan. The hand of Satan is involved, is involved. Stay away from it. Don't bite into it all. Receive what is not truth, closing your mind to the truth, corrupting your thinking, <clears throat> walking in the way of darkness or corrupted actions. For most people, the way out is to root out the first or at least become open to its falseness. Because opening your mind to truth won't happen until you do. The same thing is with us. If there is an area in our life that darkness has gotten a hold of, that's where it is. How many of you know Christian friends who believe in Jesus, love Jesus, accept Jesus as their Savior? Believe in many aspects of the, of the Word, but if you start talking to them about Jesus as a healer, they're hard. Oh no, He doesn't heal anymore today. If you start talking about gifts of the Spirit, even though there is in the Word of God, oh no, that's not for today. A hardness that is there. Why? Because until you can pull out what is false, you will not get the light in. That's just the best example that you can see because you've, you've all run into Christians who have taken something from the Word. No, no, no. And they, they don't believe it. Until you can pull out that which is not true, you have a hard time getting rid of the, rid of the rest of it. And that's the thing with the, with the world. If you want to talk to the world about Jesus, if you want to talk to them about the things of God, and you begin to weed out something in the that is untrue. Jesus is the only way to heaven. No, I believe that there's lots of ways to get to heaven. Well, you can believe that if you want to, but you won't get to heaven that way. Well, that's just too narrow-minded. But you see, until you can get that out, you can't bring them to the way of salvation. The devil knows once he has sold you on something that is not true, that you, most people will hang on to that and hang on to that and hang on to it. And it's hard to get that out. Yep, people want to try and say that you're born a certain way and that's why that you're gay or, or whatever it might be. Nope. Nope. And they're coming out with this thing. Well, you were born a girl, but you're really a boy. You're really a boy inside. And we got to bring that boy out of you. And, and there's people out there that, there's, that, that are accepting this. It's just look at the whole process, way they do it. Teachers will pull students aside now, don't tell your parents about this. Because, you see, we've got to get them sold on what is untrue. Once we get them sold on what is untrue, it's real hard to pull that out. It is easier to pull somebody off the truth than it is to pull them off of a lie. I've always been amazed at that. You look at people, how many of you know Christians? Ten years ago, on fire, and you hadn't seen them in a while, and now you see them, and they're just... Not going after God at all. It's so easy to pull people off a of truth, it seems. But boy, try and pull them off a lie. Well, there's no opposition to the lie. But there's great opposition to the truth. But be on the watch, because you can accept something as true that is false. The more tied in you are to the Holy Spirit and to His light, as soon as you walk near it and you hear it, alarms go off. It's not right. That's not right. I don't know why it's not right. 
I'm not sure exactly what's going on with that, but I know it's not right. In my spirit, it told me, no. Huh. All right. Now, I've had to, had to go the other way, too. My mind says, I don't like this teaching. <laughs> but my spirit says, listen. <laughs> See, I know that well enough now that I'll discipline my mind to listen and to stay with it. And after a while, oh, now I see it. And see, something that was holding me back has just been removed. Darkness will hinder you, will hold you back. But you can be darkened. But not if you walk according to the light. Stay in the light. The devil is always out there trying to pull you off into the things of darkness. Don't let him do it. He's going to try and get it because your feelings got hurt. He's going to try and get you because you you understand what's going on in the world better this way. Or you like it better this way. Or whatever it might be. No, don't go after it. Don't don't pursue it. There are things that happen in the, in the world I don't have the understanding for it yet. I don't accept the explanation just to accept an explanation. I just simply say, well, I don't, I'm not exactly sure why that is going on. But I'll find out. If I need to know, God will tell me. But I don't ever let it challenge the other things that I believe. Father, I thank you for your word. We see people around us that are in darkness. And it does grieve us, as I know it grieves you. Because they've accepted a lie and are holding on to it. Because they hold on to that lie, they will reject the truth. They are hardened to the truth. And they stay ignorant to the things of God and alienated from his life. Father, help us to be able to weed out these things. If you look at the ministry of Jesus, how much time did he spend pinpointing some things that were believed that were false? He showed them things that were wrong about their beliefs of the Sabbath. Things they believed that were wrong about the law. Things they believed that were wrong about how God judges how God views sin, why sickness was in this world, why people were born blind. So many things, so many assumptions. And He took them on. And as He took them on, so can we. There will be those people that will be open to receive and will set down the lies and embrace the truth. And there will be others who will not and we need to have the acceptance of Jesus. We just moved on to the next town. And try and argue them into the kingdom. And try and beat them or pound them to receive. He presented it. And if they decided to reject it, he moved on. Paul did the same. We thank you for their examples. Help us and the people that we are to minister to. To bring them out of darkness and two, a great light. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.